Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Friday afternoon, the 5th of July, a day that feels a little strange. If you happen to be in the office today, my guess is that it's a fairly quiet office. A lot of people taking the day off on the heels of the 4th of July holiday. Hope you had a great day yesterday. Enjoyed a little bit of time off. I know we did, or at least, well, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I know I did, and I hope you did as well. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Think about it this way. If uh, you live in a neighborhood where they try to tell you that it's not okay for you to shoot fireworks, well, you could buy a piece of property that was uh, maybe just outside the city limits a little bit, kind of a, a recreational piece of land where you could hunt and fish and You get to make the rules. So if you want to shoot fireworks on the 4th of July or the 4th of September or the 4th of June, you can do it because it's your property. And Mississippi Land Bank can help you with the financing. If you live in North Mississippi and you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. So happy 5th of July to you today. Glad to have you along on this Friday as we roll into the weekend. Borky, how was your day yesterday? Uh, The day yesterday was good. Uh, Wednesday night, not so much. Well, the United States won. Yeah, they did, but I had the police called on me. To your home? To my home. I See, I need to start texting you guys more outside of the show. I wish I would have given you a heads up about this. Yeah. So well, you put it on Twitter. Isn't that enough? Uh, yeah, I guess. But uh, I don't expect everybody to check and read my Twitter all the time. Yeah, you were going to text us that the cops were after you. Yeah. Um, so Wednesday night, I had a small get together at my house, and it was a small get together. I'm talking. How many people? Nine guys, including me. Four wives. And one baby. That's okay. it. Okay. Okay. So not a very, not a very the, big the, the, part. The of four it. wives includes yours. No. So. Okay. So so five wives. Five wives. Nine, nine, nine guys dudes. and a baby. So nine and five is fourteen plus a baby. So we got fourteen and a half people at your house on a Wednesday night, the third of July. The third of July is also not yours. You're not counting the, yours. <laughs> the baby is not mine. Fair enough. Um. So we had. I think three cars in the driveway. Okay. And two parked in the street directly in front of my house, and that is it. Okay? So no cars anywhere else on the street except for directly in front of my home. And you've seen my house. has a lot of space in my front yard. Was not interrupting any of my neighbors. Okay. We had the grill going, two grills going in the back, 
couple tiki torches to get the bugs away, and a small Bluetooth speaker playing music that you couldn't hear when you were inside of our house. Very low volume. Just kind of something to have ambient noise, you know. All right. Had a TV set up outside. The players took the field at 8.15. We turned off the music at 8.15. Lightning okay. strikes 15 minutes into the game. So there's and you a, got a 90-minute lightning delay, right? Right. So we all go inside because we're not watching the game. It's hot. There's bugs. So we all went inside. Two hours later, a police officer knocks on our door. And okay, so this is about 10.15 when a police officer knocks on the door? Give or take about 10.15, 10.30. Okay. And a couple people had left because we didn't know when the game was coming back. And, uh, you know, uh, one of them had a baby, even though the baby was still at the house. People, some people just started making their way out. So there was probably okay, about so 10 people so left at the house when the cops showed up. All right, up. we're down to 10 people. Cop shows up, 10.15. No music on outside. You've got a TV... And a couple of tiki torches. Is the volume on the TV? We took the TV inside, even. When the okay. weather delay happened, we didn't use it anymore. Okay, so no no outdoor noise. Ten people at your house at 10.15 on a Wednesday night. I've not heard anything illegal yet. Carry on. So a, a officer knocks on our door, and two of them actually showed up. There was two police cars in front of our house, but uh, my wife, my seven months pregnant wife, answers the door and then looks at at me and then waves me over and the cop says well you know we got a call about a, a loud party th- that was that was going on here and i needed to come check it out and i kind of looked around and uh, said dude there's we're watching a soccer game i mean there, there's like seven people here w- what's going on and to his credit he basically knew right away that it was ridiculous that he was at our house uh, my okay. wife offered him to come inside and, and see what was going on just just because, and he said, no, there's no need. Uh, sorry to bother you. We just got a call. I had to check it out. Have a good night. Did he tell you which neighbor called? No, he did not. And I didn't ask because I figured he wouldn't answer anyway. That's not an unreasonable question to ask. Now, I, I, you know, if I called the cops because there was a legitimate party, loud party that was out of control across the street from my house, which I wouldn't do, I don't think. Uh, I mean, it would have to really be out of control. The baby was would sleeping be inside, really Richard. Late. When the cop knocked on the door, the small six-month-old-ish <laughs> baby was sleeping. But it would be, you know, I, if I called the cops, I wouldn't necessarily want them to rat me out as the one who called. But at the same time, if somebody called the cops on me, I kind of would want to know who it was so that I could go to the neighbor and be like, hey, what what gives? If 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 you got an issue with something that's going on in my house, all you got to do is knock on the door and say, hey, could you guys keep it down? Except it sounds like there was nothing to keep down. There was nothing to keep down. And I, I was fuming. And, and to my sweet wife's credit, she was trying to calm me down because I wanted to go knock on everybody's door and ask them, which one called the police on me? Come talk to me first. I don't want cops showing up to my house ever unless there's a reason, and we gave you no reason, so why don't you be an adult and just a decent human and and maybe come talk to us first before you call police on us? My wife's theory is there's a a neighbor that doesn't like the cars, and she thinks that's why we got called. They made up the noise reason to get the cars out of the way. 
But did they the police officer the have a problem with two cars being parked on the street? Not That's at all. Not illegal. Did, he didn't even mention it. Couldn't have cared less. And to his credit, again, he was as friendly as can be. He, he apologized multiple times, and he knew how stupid it was that he was at our house, to his credit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it'd be different well, if we were allowed. neighborhood life, I know. Like, when you move into a new neighborhood, aren't you supposed to, like, bring food or something over and say, hey, welcome. Instead, we got a couple of cops showing up to our front door. Hey, Dad, have you ever had the police called to your house for... Uh, you've been known to throw a party or two, right? Like a Christmas I have, party? Uh, I have never had the uh, the police uh, show, show up at my uh, my apartment or house or anything. Of hey, Dad, turn your microphone up. I can barely hear you. It's up as high as it'll go. Okay. There you go. So you've never had the police... Uh, Rippy, it, wait, I, should I ask you this question or no? I've been at parties before. I've never had one at my house. I don't think that the cops have... Actually, yeah, I, once. Okay, but it wasn't anything like got it. Like, Not like crazy out of no control. Just yeah, move the cars, keep it down. So you now dislike. You already didn't really like people, Borky. Yeah. Now you dislike all of your neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. I just want to know who it is. I think. Have it's you the, gotten to know any of your neighbors yet? Uh, no, just my buddy that lives down the street. In fairness, the the people to our left and to our right very much keep to themselves. Like, I never see them ever, and the one, two, or... Do you think you should go knock on their door and introduce yourself to them? Well, one of them I know wasn't home, because there's no car, no lights on the house for three days. So, so they weren't home when this is going on. It had to be, if it was one of the direct neighbors, it had to be the other one, but they're all young, and they play loud music and, and stuff, so I, I can't it's imagine It's got to be an across-the-street neighbor, then. And she's got a very, I need to speak to the manager haircut, so I think it's her. <laughs> Is her name Karen? Wait, she has what? You ever seen those haircuts that you, it just screams, I need to speak to your manager? Uh, I'll show no. you what I'm talking about at the break. I, hey, that knows what I'm talking about. I, I get it, yeah. You should describe this haircut to me, though. <laughs> you, ever, you know what Kate Gosselin looks like? Yes. Yeah. That's like okay. That's it right there. I think I know what Kate Gosselin looks like. I feel like I need to do a... Uh, she's got long blonde hair, though, right? Are we talking about, like, in her short hair days? In her short hair days, correct. Not that oh, there's anything yeah. wrong with it. It's just the look that makes me think that you'd be the one to call. So Borky had the police called, but... The story had kind of a whimper ending. He was mad, but nothing actually happened. Well, see, I want to figure out who it is first. The next layer of the story is when that conversation happens. just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you just ignore it and pretend like nothing happened. But the thing is, like, I want to have friends over again, especially during football season, right? Well, then you should. And wait till Am the I going to have to deal the with the cops every time? It, I mean, if you're not doing anything wrong, what difference does it make? Invite them in, offer them a brat next time. Good point. I didn't expect that right out of the gate today. I didn't expect it on Wednesday night either. Trey Wingo says this is the worst sports day of the year. He says with New Year's and Thanksgiving and Christmas, you've got actual sports after the fact, but on July 5th, all you have is baseball and the NBA Summer League. All right, so not yesterday on the 4th of July, but on Wednesday night, the 3rd of July, Michael Borky had the cops called to his house for 
an unknown reason, unless there's something that he's leaving out of the story, but it sounds like it was altogether uncalled for, but maybe a neighbor didn't like that there were a couple of cars that were parked along the curb in the street. That's all we can uh, can surmise. Sports Talk Mississippi, you can text the show on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. Hey, Dad, what'd you do yesterday for the Fourth of July? Nothing. And it was great. Like, I watched like, all the Stranger Things. Literally nothing all day long. Pretty much, yeah. And I took family a real didn't go day outside. Off. You didn't go watch any fireworks. You didn't. Nah. Nah. What'd your kids do all day? My, uh, they just played around. It's like the most unpatriotic day I've ever heard of in my life. I took full advantage of my American right to uh, to be lazy. And your wife was completely on board with this? She didn't want to do anything either? She didn't want to do anything. We just sat there and watched Stranger Things. It was great. Stranger Things. That's the uh, creepy movie? It's a TV show, but yeah. TV show. Creepy TV show. You so might you enjoy like, that, actually, by the way, Richard. Did, did you, like, ban your girls to their bedrooms? Uh, I mean, I didn't ban them. But they, you know, they knew not to come in because they would probably see something that would scare the crap out of them. <laughs> They're smart uh, enough to you, know. Did, did you watch like the Macy's fireworks celebration from New York nah. or the the Washington nah. D.C. on nah. PBS? No, nah. none of that. Nothing. No. Nah. Didn't put anything on the grill. No. Nah. Did you eat yesterday? Yeah. What'd you eat? Just- oh, we, we ate at that most American of institutions, Popeyes. We got a big thing of chicken. Well, fried chicken on the 4th of July is not altogether bad. It's, it's pretty American. Yeah. You, you were, like, all geared up to do, like, Something. big grill day, and then somewhere along the way you soured on it. And, yeah. and you told us that you thought 4th of July was, like, one of the third or maybe the third best holiday in the on the calendar, didn't you? Well, yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, go all out. You can just enjoy a day off. Okay. Good for you. Which is what I did. I suppose. Uh, Wes in Batesville says he did nothing, and it was everything he thought it would be. There you go. That's on the uh, the C Spire text line. What about you, Rip? Anything fun yesterday? I went to a, uh, I floated on a lake, cooked some burgers. Did you watch any fireworks? No. Did you shoot any fireworks? No, and that was more of like a we forgot to get them type of thing. Like, it mm. just kind of, we planned this very last minute, so like I, uh, it was more like a forgot to get them type of thing. And then honestly... We were back at like the where we met up, like person's house. By the time like people were shooting fireworks, and so I actually didn't watch any fireworks. Probably the first Fourth of July in a while, I didn't watch any. Does Jackson do a uh, a fireworks display, like a public one? I have no idea. There were all kinds of fireworks going off around the reservoir, which is where this guy's house was. Yeah. So. See any alligators? Uh, no, thankfully, none in the water I was in either. I mean, I keep hearing that that's like just an everyday thing on the reservoir. That- I didn't go out on the reservoir. His house is just in that area. We met up there and went to Lake Lorman. Borky, weren't you telling me that? Like when you go on the reservoir, you see alligators all over the place? Yeah, well, it depends on what part. If you're by the spillway, you're not going to see them. But anywhere up uh, either in Peelahatchee Bay or up the Pearl River, yeah, they're all over the place. Do people take boats out and ski and wakeboard and tube and stuff in alligator country? Yeah. Huh. I mean, they're they're not just hanging out in open water by the spillway, though. There's pests. You can take care of them. Not if you fall off of a 
set of skis in the open water, you're not taking care of an alligator. Just wrestle it. We had kind of a full day yesterday. We did the, uh, I told you about the 4th of July parade that Oxford does and uh, did that. So the kids had a, a big time with that, came back to the house, took naps. A little late afternoon on the lake, which is, I am fully on board with. We haven't been able to do that. Normally we're like, you know, mid to late morning and then by middle of the afternoon you're coming off. Just because kids are young and it's like, eh, you don't feel like you can keep them out all late. It's going to be kind of a disaster. We didn't put the boat in until, I don't know, like 4, maybe 4.15 yesterday afternoon. And the plan was they were they were shooting fireworks on the water. Not on the water, but kind of over by the dam, uh, if you're familiar with Sardis Lake. And so we said, all right, we're going to you know pack food, let the kids play on the water. Weather ended up just being spectacular because it was hot early yesterday. And had everything timed perfectly. Like the kids had been riding tubes and everything was good with them. But we knew that, like, I don't know how many kids. We had like 11 kids with us on the boat. So they were kind of loaded up on the, had two tubes going at the same time. And they all kind of were going to reach their limit around dark. And so we timed it perfectly. Buddy of mine had his boat out there. We kind of tied the boats together out there, and we start waiting for the fireworks because they're supposed to happen right at 9 o'clock. So we probably got settled about 8.45, right before dark. A lot of boats out there, and then no fireworks. And a few little raindrops fall, and we finally were told that they had pushed the fireworks back half an hour, which when you're just sitting there with nothing to do and you got a bunch of kids around, that's a problem. So they didn't start the fireworks until like 9.35. Turned out to be a great fireworks show. We just kind of had some kids that were uh, past their their limit for the day, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense, Borky? You'll, you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> you, anyway, good, good day all the way around. And then, uh, oh, we wanted to fish this morning. He didn't have any luck. But uh, we tried it for a little while. I went the no sunscreen route. How'd that go for you? I'm pretty pink. <laughs> you you said earlier, though, that was a good thing. Yeah, no, I needed it. I, when I did that river last week, and I took my shirt off, and people started making fun of me because the tan line was so preposterous. So this was this was necessary. So is it like golfer tan or just like? It was pretty much just like a golf tan. I mean, well, I pretty much wear a golf shirt every day. So like. So you had like sometimes a zippers. tan on your arms, yeah. and then it looked like your the rest of your skin was pasty white. Pretty much. It was. It, I look preposterous. So now you're going to have to peel and all that good stuff? Yeah. Then the next step's like to get jacked in the gym, I guess. <laughs> Things that we don't anticipate are actually going to uh, going to happen. Um, if you've got an interesting story from the 4th of July, we're just kind of hanging out today. We've got, uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. We're going to visit with John Harris from the Houston Texans, talk with him for a couple of segments coming up in the, uh, the 4 o'clock hour. But if uh, if you have a a good story to share from the weekend, then we would uh, we'd love to hear it from you. Um, glad to uh, have you along. Again, the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. We've been putting together this all Mississippi all time team, with the uh, criteria being you had to play college football at a four year school in Mississippi, and that's about it. Although that has been confusing criteria along the way. We started out with quarterbacks. We came down with, uh, we ended up with uh, what Dak Prescott is the first team all-time quarterback, and then Archie Manning and Steve McNair tied for the second all-team quarterback. 
We moved from quarterback to running back, and the question was greatest running back in the history of Mississippi. And some of you had said, you know, the ability not to vote on two running backs is a problem. And I thought about that a little bit more, and I agree with you. Because when you can only vote for one, you've got certain people that are just going to vote for Walter Payton because he's the best all-time running back in the state of Mississippi, and that makes sense. But then you got people that vote for uh, Anthony Dixon as the best all-time, which maybe you really believe that, or maybe you're just voting for him because he went to school at Mississippi State. Same thing for Deuce McAllister, same thing for Damian Fletcher. We are going with Walter Payton as the first-team all-Mississippi running back. He got 58% of the vote. Hey, Dad, my guess is this is a little troubling to you that 42% of the 2,364 people that voted did not vote for Walter Payton. It's a little surprising, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised. For for the reasons we just discussed? Yes. Uh, the number two tailback or number two running back on the list is Anthony Booby Dixon. So the two running backs on your all-time list, first team, second team, Walter Payton and Booby Dixon, Deuce McAllister got 15% of the vote, Damian Fletcher got 3% of the vote, which is a little crazy when you realize he went for 6,000 total yards in his career. I guess my question is this. If there was an option on a Twitter poll to vote for two, would the results have been the same? Uh, I think it would have been closer. What was the percentage between Booby and Deuce? It was like 67%, uh, right? Yeah, Booby Dixon got 24%, Deuce McAllister got 15%, so nine percentage points different. It might have been a, a, a difference there. You think potentially you could have had Walter Payton and Deuce McAllister? Potentially. It would have been close, though. Yeah, I think it would have been. And and the votes might have still shook out. So we got to figure out a way to adjust that a little bit uh, okay. so that you can vote for multiple people. Wide receivers are coming up next. And we'll talk about some of the uh, the great wild wide receivers in the history of the state of Mississippi. That'll be a fun conversation. Mentioned John Harris is coming your way in a little while this afternoon. On this day in 1989, the premiere episode of Seinfeld. Give you some notes on that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Seinfeld has an estimated net worth of $950 million. He's the richest comedian in the world. And once you get to nine fifty, there's a good chance you're going to get to a billion dollars net worth. And right now he just does comedy. He's not on TV really anymore. He's got the, uh, what, the Coffee with Friends little skit. Is that what it's called? Is it Coffee with Friends? Comedians and cars getting coffee? That's the one. Yeah, he drives around in a fancy little sports car or an old-timey sports car with Barack Obama, and they stop and eat at a cheap Thai restaurant, that type of thing. Some of it's funny. Uh, Seinfeld made its debut 30 years ago today. July 5th, 1989 is when Seinfeld made its television debut. 
It was wildly successful. Generally considered to be the greatest sitcom of all time. Some may disagree. The last four seasons of the show, Seinfeld ranked either number one or number two in the rankings in all of them. And it did over a 20 share in each of those last four years. 76 million people watched the finale, which was 58% of all viewers that watched television in that time slot on that night. Borky, am I right in that the only television show that has had a f- larger final viewing off uh, audience was the final episode of MASH? Uh, there was a few that beat him. MASH was one. Uh, I'll pull them up because I don't remember the other two, uh, but MASH was one of them. According to Forbes magazine, Jerry Seinfeld, excuse me, Seinfeld, made $267 million off the show. And he could have made about, well, I'm not going to do the math, but could have made another $100 million if he had gone one more season. NBC offered Jerry Seinfeld $5 million per episode, or slightly more than $100 million, to continue the show into a tenth season. That was over three times higher per episode than anyone on television had ever been offered. But Jerry Seinfeld told NBC that he was not married, he did not have children, and he wanted to focus on his personal life. As of July 2007, he was the second highest earner in TV history. I'm sorry, that was in the TV industry at that time. And that was after Seinfeld was off the air. Uh, earning more than $60 million a year. And that was off like syndicated reruns. That's the crazy thing about this. So once a show goes off the air, it goes into syndication, channels buy the rights for it, and the actors who had some share stake in it, I think they call them points, they continue to get paid. So in 2007... What, that would have been 10 years after Seinfeld had gone off the air? Seinfeld was still earning $60 million a year. Jerry Seinfeld was. Unbelievable. MASH, Cheers, and The Fugitive all had more viewers on their regular series finale, and that is it. What is The Fugitive? I have no idea what The Fugitive is. Oh, it's the a movie? movie? Well, it, I mean, I was thinking about the... Show. I was thinking about the movie with Tommy Lee Jones. It aired on ABC from 63 to 67. So that was back in the day when you had ABC, NBC, and CBS, and that is it. So you didn't really have a choice but to watch The Fugitive. But it was Fair an enough. American drama series that was four, had four years running. David how many people Jansen? watched the How many people watched the final episode of MASH? It was over 100 million, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it was a Super Bowl number. It's insane. And then Cheers... Have you guys watched Cheers at all? Oh, yeah. I did. Well, I I figured you would. I guess I was asking more Borky and Rippy. No. Like, not even reruns? No. I'm not sure what that is. I've seen it, I've watched it, but I can't tell you much about it. But I know what it is. So the, the premise behind Cheers was it was a bar in Boston and, like, just life that happened in the bar. So you had the, the regulars. Sam was the lead bartender. Woody Harrelson's where he burst onto the scene as like the young guy that became a bartender. 
Carla was the head waitress. Um, Frazier, Dr. Frazier Crane was a psychologist, and that ended up into a spinoff show uh, called Frazier, um, where he was a psychologist in uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, one or the other. He's a psychiatrist. Yeah, he was a psychiatrist. That's right. And he made the move to uh, to Seattle, and Frazier's wife in Cheers made random appearances from time to time. Lilith. Lilith. Dark black hair. Yeah. She was tough. Yeah. Uh, the the original Cheers, if you go back to the very beginning, before Sam kind of took over the bar, the original like proprietor of Cheers was Coach. Mm-hmm. Just, like this old white guy that walked around with a towel draped over his shoulder. Who are the Oh, uh, Norm and... Uh, um, Cliff. Cliff and Cliff. Cliff was the postman. And Norm, George Went, who went on... Was it was it while he was there, or was it later that he ended up on Saturday Night Live? Was it what? George Went was on Saturday Night Live also, wasn't he? No. What? Who am I thinking about? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, make fun of me if you want to. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, maybe it was maybe it was part of a Saturday Night Live skit where nobody ever knew his name was actually George Went. He was the guy that played Norm on Cheers. That seems anyway. more probable. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. It's a great show. Yeah. And then what was uh, what was Sam's girlfriend's name? That she was there at the beginning and then not at the end. Diane. Diane. She'll she just kind of disappeared somewhere along the way, didn't she? Yeah. They, well, I think she it was one of the things she wanted more money, so they wrote her out, and then Kirstie Alley took over. That's right. In fact, a buddy of mine just sent me a message that Kirstie Alley was the bar owner. So did she buy the bar from Coach? No, she bought the bar from Sam. Did Coach ever actually own the bar? Was it originally I, I think, his? I think Sam always owned the bar until he sold it uh, in the later seasons. Coach just okay. worked there. He was the bartender. George oh, Went uh, was not a cast member, but he hosted SNL twice, and he was on the Da Bears skit. That's, That's what true. I'm talking about. He was part of the Da Bears skit on yeah. Saturday Night Live. See? Yeah, but- but he wasn't on Saturday Night Live. Was not that like, not a know, recurring skit? I mean, they did like four or five times, maybe. Well, you talk about a skit that's gotten more life, oh, though, than one power, that just happened yeah. four or five times. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I didn't different. think I was entirely crazy. I mean, you, you like completely talked me out of that, and I just didn't say that he well, was when somebody in the says they're on Saturday Night Live, I think about like the way you know Eddie Murphy or Adam Sandler or Dana Carvey was on Saturday Night Live, like every week. Okay. Ton of sports themes on Seinfeld. Did you watch Seinfeld? Hey, Dad. Oh yeah, absolutely. What was your favorite Seinfeld episode? The comeback, where the jerk store called. They're running out of you. <laughs> that's that. That's one of the best all-time television episodes for me. Soup Nazi was that up there? Soup for Nazi's you? great. Yeah, absolutely. No soup for you. Uh, the marble rye. Uh, when Kramer fed the horse all those beans into <laughs> the beefarino. <laughs> did, did you like the one where George tried to get the Yankees to go to the cotton uniforms? That was good. The one where he's trying to get them to play the Astros, and he's like talking to the people from Texas, and and they ca- <laughs> it's just funny. You was that the one that where he came with the a- line that no Yankees ever coming to Houston? That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
You Beautiful. tell that son of a... There no Yankees ever coming to Houston. Jason Alexander, who played George Costanza, is one of... Uh, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to paint with too big a brush, but that's a guy that is wildly talented. Yeah. You, you, you just kind of know him as George Costanza, but he is an accomplished like Broadway actor as well. Mm-hmm. has been in a bunch of shows and movies, and I think he sings and maybe plays some instruments as well. When um, I guess it was post-Katrina when they did the Mississippi Rising event that was hosted on the Ole Miss campus to raise a whole bunch of money for Katrina relief for the for the Gulf Coast. He was kind of the host of the whole thing. And that was the night where you're like, holy cow, this guy isn't just George Costanza. Yeah. He does everything. Like trained yeah. at Juilliard and the whole deal. Yeah, so, funny guy. Um, funny guy. Absolutely. Um and then of course Julia Louis Dreyfus, who has a son that played basketball at Northwestern. Yeah. And she's moved on to, like, I mean, Veep is one of the most successful comedies. I've never watched it, and people tell me I would love it, but that, that, that she's moved on to a huge, huge success since then. Where does uh, where does she rank? I mean, outside of Seinfeld, are all the characters kind of equal? No, no. Kramer is definitely the, the alpha outside of Jerry. You think so? More so than, yeah. than George? I think so, yeah. Even though George had a bigger role in the show. Right. Maybe that was part of the beauty, was Kramer just kind of came and went, came and went, yeah. came and went. It was like a comet. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Seinfeld debuted 30 years ago today. Just one more note about George Wendt, you know, the guy that played Norm on Cheers. Wendt played Santa in Elf the Musical on Broadway. <laughs> Wait, like the movie Elf turned into a musical? Yeah, yeah it turned into a musical. The one that uh, that ran on Broadway, George was Santa. I, well, I didn't know that Elf the Musical existed either, but uh, it did. That's really cool. That's fantastic. That's a good role for him as well. Santa from the department store? Yeah. Good times with you on this Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. It won't be all, it won't be all like pop culture stuff and whatever, but admittedly a light day in the world of sports. We're just going to try to have uh, some fun. We did get uh, a random text message, 601-879-4395, the C Spire text line. Archith, uh, I'm sorry, I just made him into one name. Archie and Edith were the best. You, you, you just can't say that anymore, right? Say what, that they're the best? Yeah, it's, isn't it not politically correct to like Archie Bunker anymore? Oh, I don't I don't want to know about that. I don't go down that road. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, I do like this. Somebody, so, yeah, <laughs> well played. Um, I did always like in Cheers, like when Norm walked in, everybody in the bar all was, Norm! And then went back to whatever they were doing. There was Always. a bar here in Starville called Cheers, and that was, believe it or not, that was my regular bar when I was a, a college-age guy. Did people always no. yell out your name no. when you walked through the door? That, 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 not everybody knew my name at that Cheers. Where does the Cheers theme song rank all time? It's it's way up there. Way up there. Way up there. Yeah. Yeah, people, people say, nah, no way on Seinfeld, MASH was the best sitcom of all time. And that's a fair argument to make. It was wildly popular 
and also had an altogether different but really catchy theme song that went along with it. Mm-hmm. Much more low-key than uh, where everybody knows your name. There you go. There it is, yeah. Everything you've got. Take me back to my childhood days here. Shows don't have these anymore. I mean, like no. the HBO ones do, but it's not like this. Exactly. Well, now we've got a second verse here I wasn't prepared for. What happened? Yeah, you, oh, this you were, is the full one. Yeah, you were all set to go right to everybody. Right, everybody's name. about to know my name, and then we went another way. What is going on? line. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. So we went from Seinfeld 30 years ago today making its debut to Cheers. Yeah. As one does. Well, you know, that, just... that, didn't, that, didn't that replace Cheers? That was the 8 o'clock show at th- on Thursdays. And then was Seinfeld was the 8 o'clock show on Thursday. Would you think I was crazy if I said I was a bigger fan of Cheers than Seinfeld? No. There's no, there's no shame in that. Okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the hot dog eating contest. You had that yesterday. Joey Chestnut did his thing again. Did not break his record of 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. He only got to 71 hot dogs in 10 minutes. But he was still a winner. 71 hot dogs, including buns, comes out to 20,590 calories. 1,172 grams of fat. Mm. 2,130 milligrams of cholesterol. And there's some protein in there. 781 grams of protein. Way to find the positive, Richard. <laughs> I don't know that that's uh, outweighed by the uh, the rest of it, but there is some uh, some protein there as uh, as well. That might have been hey, the first time I actually like sat down and watched it. I've never watched it. I haven't really cared to. He doesn't eat. He dips the buns in water and just like mashes it together and just shoves it down his mouth. It is... I don't know why you would ever want to begin to do that because they're not actually eating the hot dogs anymore. They're just getting them wet and shoving them down their throat. Because yeah, you get paid for it. Yeah. What, what is he worth? Like, you know, he's worth a few hundred thousand, right? I would. Oh, for sure. But, but everybody Joey. else up there that was stuffing their face had day jobs. Joey Chessworth, uh, Chestnut's net worth is $800,000. It's approximately eight hundred thousand dollars more than my net worth, so maybe that jokes on, on me. Trauma in the next six months. Well, that's not true. I mean, Borky, if if your house is worth more than you paid for it, then you have a positive net worth. So we'll, we'll find out when that time comes. Yeah, your, your car's well, paid for. So well, what does awful neighbors do to my, uh, my my home value? Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't advertise that on the. Borky. Wait. You can quantify Twitter followers for net worth? No, he said tater tots. No, tater tots. Oh. You need to be a tater tot eater. I thought you said Twitter. I was going to say. No, that doesn't count. You... I bet if there's Twitter... some inherent value in being the fourth out of four people on a radio show and Twitter followers. <laughs> You're top four. Hey, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe so. Hey, Dad, how many hot dogs could you eat in uh, ten minutes? Uh, I probably wouldn't want to choke down one. Do you know what those are made of? For God's sakes. I love hot dogs. So you think I might could eat more hot dogs than you in 10 minutes? Probably. I, I don't like hot dogs. More un-Americanness from Brian Haydad on the 5th of <laughs> July. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, Renaissance Bank Studio. Tuesday on the island. Not Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. And kind of loose and free in the first hour. We're going to hone in on some football talk in this second hour of the show as John Harris joins us from the Houston Texans and HoustonTexans.com. He does TV, he does radio in the Houston area. He's the sideline reporter for the Texans as well. John, did you have a good Independence Day celebration yesterday? <laughs> yeah, we did. It was kind of quiet. Uh, three out of four members of the Harris family have been sick this week, so... Uh, it has been kind of slow, but probably probably what we needed. We've been kind of grinding for for a while, so it was kind of good actually to just kind of sit in the house and just relax and have a good barbecue yesterday or a good cookout, I should say, put some stuff on the grill. So it was good. How was yours? Uh, it was good. Little uh, little Fourth of July parade to start the day and spend some time on the lake yesterday afternoon. Some fireworks last night. So a uh, lot of little people that uh, slept well last night in the uh, in the cross house. So that was a was a good day. Hey, John, I know you're a you're like a 365 days a year football guy. But in terms of the NFL calendar, and I know you've had some mini camps and some rookie camps and stuff, is there a day on the calendar that you feel like really marks the start of the upcoming season? Uh I think I really think it's the day you know for the NFL I think it's the day that the players report, which is the day before training camp. So uh, some people will say it's the first day of training camp. I, I think it's the, the day before. Um, that's really when it kind of kicks off for me. I, I know that the coaches, some of the coaches will get back like the week before. So we report July 24th, the players do, uh, and then practice is the next day, 25th, because you can practice, you can start practice two weeks out for your first preseason game. And our first one is going to be up in Green Bay. Uh, which which will be pretty fun to be up in Lambeau. J.J. Watt gets to play up in Lambeau because he didn't do that a couple years ago. So uh, it'll be kind of nice. But we started in 20. That, to me, is the, the, the start of it. I, I, for, just, if the NFL had something like SEC Media Days or Big 12 Media Days, I, I might think that's when kind of it gets rolling. But that's kind of the date that we look for. Everybody's taking vacation this week in our building. And in fact, the whole the NFL building is completely shut down. Everybody's out this week. And then the next couple of weeks really are spent kind of just ramping up, just slowly but surely getting to that date, making sure everybody's got their ducks in a row. And then the 24th when the players report, they do all the physicals, they do their conditioning tests, and then the next day they hit the field, and then we're off and running and hopefully playing all the way on into February, which would be kind of nice. Greenbrier again this year, or is it staying in Houston this summer? No, they decided this year to stay in Houston, and – you know, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I think the Greenbrier, they realized how just removed they were from everybody. And that was, that was great to just have a singular focus. And, you know, last year we did it for only two weeks, which, you know, it was two weeks away from home, which was tough. But my family came up to the Greenbrier and we stayed in a house uh, near about 10 minutes away from, from the Greenbrier and had a blast. We just had an awesome time. But, you know, for the players, they're so isolated. Uh, yeah. You're at the Greenbrier, and that's just where you are. So I think they felt like, look, there's a lot of money spent when we go to Greenbrier. Let's put some of that money away. Let's stay at home. Let's let's make our sponsors happy. Let's make our sweet holders happy, and let's move practice back to Houston. And that's what we decided to do for this year. And we'll see. We're going up to Green Bay, going up to Green Bay for some practices for about four days, 
And then Detroit's coming to Houston, which will be a rude awakening for them. But uh, we are going to be back in Houston, uh, which I think has made a lot of people in the building, a lot of people in the city of Houston happy to see their team again training camp. John, how many NFL teams do kind of a road show for for training camp? It, it, that used to happen a lot. You've still got the Cowboys that go to Oxnard every year, and we'll see if that continues to happen with you know the opening of the Star and all the uh, incredible facility that yeah. they've got there. Um, I, I know in years past you've had the Saints. Uh, they ran training camps in Jackson, Mississippi, and I don't know that that's necessarily something that the Saints players loved all that much. They got away from that several years ago. Are are there any teams other than the Cowboys that still do that? It's a great question. I mean, before we went to the Greenbrier, the Saints had gone to the Greenbrier for three years. Okay. And kind of the running joke for us was the fact the Saints went 7-9 and nine for three years, and then we went to the Greenbrier, and the first year we went 4-12, and 12, and we're like, man, this place isn't cursed, is it? I mean, thank God we went 11-5, and five, but season ended before we wanted to, but I don't, you know, so many more teams now are getting together to practice at another facility. And so the teams are using that as a replacement for, you know, and I think Cowboys still go to Oxnard, but I don't know if they go for as long as they used to. But I know, obviously, being America's team, everybody says, if you've ever been to the Star, you'd wonder, why would you ever leave? Why would you go? I mean, you can go inside and practice in front of what turns out to be a high school stadium of about 15,000 that's just gorgeous. So why would you ever want to leave? I mean, that facility is as good as any I've ever seen in my life. So I think that's probably where Jerry's like, yeah, maybe you got a point there. But, you know, look, he likes to get out and show his team off a little bit, get to some cooler weather. And, and that's really the, the for the teams in the South to do it. That's one of the reasons they're going to do it. But so many teams now are, are going somewhere to practice against some other team. And that's taken the place of, you know, the long stay on a campus um, as they used to long, long time ago. I know when the Oilers were here, they used to go to San Marcos, the Texas State at the time with Southwest Texas, and they would be there forever. But training camp back then was like eight weeks long. So yeah. they would go there and just kind of get isolated. But now the facilities are so good. The medical facilities are so good where the teams are and everything they need is right there. They decide, look, let's just stay where we are. We're happy with it. we got good facilities. It rains. We can go indoors. Let's just do this. So that's what I think a lot of teams have decided to do, and that's a trend that's going one way. But we know things are cyclical, so it might go the other way. But I think with all the inter-squad scrimmages and things that teams are doing now, I think that's the way that they're getting that kind of travel in as opposed to going off campus, if you will, away from their own practice facilities. John, one of those those old football cliches is, oh, our guys can't wait to hit somebody in a different color jersey. And you kind of get that with these inner squads between teams. Do the players, generally speaking, like either hosting another team or going to another team's facility and doing that for three or four days, or would they prefer to wait until the, the game start and it really matters? Can, I mean, can you get good quality work done or better work done when you're going against another team as opposed to just your guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, in college – I think it would help in college a little bit more because the schemes, offense in particular, are so different from team to team and league to league. So I think it would be even help more helpful in college. In the NFL, I, certain teams do some different things. So for the most part, everybody's doing the same stuff. But it's just good to see Rob Gronkowski in practice. And I, I think two years ago we saw Gronk. It was Gronk and Edelman and Amendola. 
and that Patriots 2017 team and just watching them work. I mean, there's so many advantages to it. I mean, Sean Watson got to watch Tom Brady right in front of him, and then Brady and, and Deshaun got to talk about things after practice. So that's the one other aspect is you get that opportunity. Look, we're going up to Green Bay, and you know one of the reasons that, that and we talked to, to Bill O'Brien about this many times, and he said, look, there are a lot of different reasons, the weather and all that kind of stuff. He goes, but Deshaun's going to stand behind a drill and watch Aaron Rodgers run things. And that's invaluable. And that's what in 2017 we got a chance to see Brady and Breeze uh, in, in like two weeks in preseason. You know, last year, uh, who do we have last year? Last year we got to see Jimmy Garoppolo, that quick release, and he really hurt us the year before, so it was good for our defense to see him. I don't know if some of the vets, they're the guys that have been around, they don't get completely and totally juiced for it. But it's good to see a different color jersey. And then once the competition starts, once you get into the team drills, then everybody gets into it. Then all of a sudden it's, oh, man, look at what we're doing. I mean, and then they start really getting behind their guys uh, and really treating it not so much like a game, but just almost like a pickup game where I got you and, uh, you know, I got you, we're going five on five and up and down the court, and these are my boys going against your boys, and that's the way it's going to be. So the, the inter-squad scrimmages and the things that happen when you get two teams together for an NFL practice are awesome. Now, if you spend too much time, like we did in Richmond a few years ago, it was on Hard Knocks. By the third day, everybody was ready to fight. Everybody was ready to fight, and then it was a two-field melee in pouring down rain that happened. So you can probably do it for about a day, maybe even a day and a half, but you go much beyond that, and all of a sudden nerves start getting frayed, guys at the bottom of the roster are looking to make a roster, and things tempers start flaring, and that's when you start to have some of the hijinks. But a good day or two is really valuable for an NFL team to face another one uh, in preseason before the game. Because the game doesn't really matter. It's the practices the coaches will tell you that really matter. I'm sure the NCAA would have some stupid rule that would not allow you to do this in college. And, and I don't know that we've got time to get into it anymore. But it would kind of be neat to see if you had teams that geographically, maybe not in the same conference, but if, for example, Ole Miss wanted to host Southern Miss for a day, that might be a neat yeah. way to, to kind of break up the monotony of fall camp. Oh, I I think about that a lot, Richard, because I think about the colleges. And our scouts leave probably about four or five days into our training camp, and they go off to colleges. I'm like, man, those if you guys can watch two at a time. That'd be great. Way too much. Oh my gosh, it would be great. Yeah. That would be fantastic. I think you would start that campaign, Richard, to make that happen. Hold that thought. Let's uh, let's talk some college football when we come back. John Harris from the Houston Texans on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We'll be back shortly in the Renaissance Bank studio. Continuing our conversation on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favrates.com and go with the home team. Get great rates on car, property insurance, bundle that coverage to save, plus you're dealing with local insurance agents who probably already know you and you probably already know them. And so there's a comfort level there, plus the great service that you get from Mississippi Farm Bureau. That's why we tell you to go with the home team. John Harris from the Houston Texans, who's always... One, kind with his time, and two, incredibly knowledgeable, not just of the NFL, but also of the college game. John, there's an interesting dynamic that is going on in the state of Mississippi right now in Starkville, in that Mississippi State uh, was a team that was uh, pretty good under first-year head coach Joe Moorhead a year ago, uh, had a veteran quarterback that uh, certainly was talented, had his issues throwing the ball, and there's been a lot of question about who's going to play quarterback for Mississippi State. Will it be Keaton Thompson, 
or is it going to be Tommy Stevens, the guy that transfers in from Penn State? Any insights from you on what Tommy Stevens brings to the table for uh, for Mississippi State after spending some years in uh, in James Franklin's offense and really Joe Moorhead's offense originally at Penn State? Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because he's very similar to Nick Fitzgerald, to be honest. I think he he probably throws it a little bit better, but he's a big, tough, physical guy. And I, I think this is sort of a deli- – I've, I've thought about this, and in fact, as, during the break I heard you guys kind of talking about this. I think this is a sort of a delicate situation. And look, I, I know when you have a quarterback – or I'm sorry, when you have a head coach, coach moves on, you bring a new coach – Things change. Things, you know, coaches move out, new staff comes in, new scheme, new language, new verbiage, new, new everything, except for the players. The players are the same. But in a, in a state like Mississippi, I'd be – this one I think for Joe Moorhead is going to be really interesting to watch. I know Thompson is – he's from Louisiana, I believe. But either way, you've got a guy that was recruited by Mississippi State, came to Mississippi State, has put in the time, did, did some time when Nick Fitzgerald got hurt, and did a decent job with that. But then you bring in this guy that knows this offense backwards and forwards, this uh, infidel, if you will, uh, and I hate to even use that word because Tommy Stevens is a good guy and a good football player. But I just, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this pans out because if Tommy Stevens ends up being the starting quarterback, is that going to be something that SEC teams then use against Joe Moorhead in recruiting later on? I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be, I, I think, kind of interesting because you know how recruiting goes. Richard, you, you've seen it, and, and I've seen it in, in, the, in the states that we live in. We know how that thing can go. So I'm really curious. But to me, Tommy Stevens can come in and help your football team. And the one thing about Stevens was Joe Moore had found a way to use Stevens with Trace McSorley. Now, I don't know if he has any plans on doing that, because I don't know that I want Kylan Hill to come off the field. But if there's a way that you can huh. use – both quarterbacks in some way, maybe there's a way that you could do it because Stevens is the kind of guy, I think, that could could do something like that. He could kind of be a Braxton Miller kind of gadget player if he doesn't win the starting quarterback job. And that might be the consideration, that if Stevens doesn't win the quarterback job, he still can help in other ways. But if Thompson doesn't win it, if, if he doesn't win it, can he help you in the same way? So, I don't know. I'm really interested to see how this plays out at Mississippi State. But I don't know that either way is really a bad situation. I think there are, there are schools across the country, across the SEC, that would go, hey, we'll take either one of those guys with us. And Mississippi State has both, and I think they should feel pretty good about that. You mentioned Kylan Hill a second ago. And we spent a lot of time last year talking about whether or not Kylan Hill was used effectively enough or just used enough, period, because – you know, there were times where Mississippi State didn't necessarily commit to running the football with an ex- uh, an extremely talented guy. What's the future for Kylan Hill beyond Mississippi State? Well, I definitely think he could play in our league. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, here's the here's the thing about running backs, Richard. I, I find this dynamic really interesting at the NFL now. You know, everybody talks and. and a lot of this is driven by fantasy football, and everybody's like, oh, this guy's not a good back, and this guy's not a good back, and this guy's not a good back. And you go, wait a second. Wait a second. I'll give you an example. Lamar Miller, our, our running back, our starting running back, goes to the Pro Bowl last year. It's just under 1,000 yards. He missed a couple of games because he was banged up, and then one other, I think he played maybe a, maybe not even a quarter. So he could have been well over 1,000 yards, and people talk about him like he's trash. 
And it's like, wait a second. Hold on. There's some really good running backs in this league. And just because they're not Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley doesn't mean that these guys are, are, are bad running backs. They're just used differently. And I think what teams have done, and many teams, the Patriots do it, the Colts do it, we do it. There are a lot of teams that say, look, if we don't have an Ezekiel Elliott or we don't have a Saquon Barkley or we don't have a circa 2007 Adrian Peterson, you know what we're going to do? We're going to utilize three guys in different ways. And the Eagles did that in their championship year with Jay Ajayi and Corey Clement and LeGarrette Blunt. They had Blunt, who was the hammer. They had Clement, who could get out and catch balls uh, out in the receiving game. And then Jay Ajayi was probably the best runner of the three. And to me, I think Kylan Hill can be a guy like that, where he can step into a backfield and he can give you the juice. If he's not the number one guy, I don't think it really matters. I think he can be amongst a duo or a trio for a good offensive scheme and take for instance the Saints put him with Alvin Kamara and what do you have I mean you've got a pretty explosive backfield I, I as much as I love Mark Ingram Ingram was getting up in, in years it was time to pass the baton over to Alvin Kamara but what made the Saints great is the fact that they had two of them and yeah. that really I think is what NFL teams are looking for now they're maybe not looking for Saquon Barkley or a guy of that ilk now, they'll find them in this draft. They'll find a bunch of them, whether it's Travis Etienne from Clemson, Cam Akers at Florida State, or Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, A.J. Dillon at Boston College. There are a bunch of running backs coming. But I think Kylan Hill can be a guy in that group for sure that, you know, look, he may not get drafted high, but he's going to be a guy you throw in the mix and you get him on the field because you know he has skills in every facet. He's not Saquon Barkley. But he's a guy that can definitely help you. He can give you 8 to 10 touches a game. And with those 8 to 10 touches, he's going to do some things to impact your offense. And that's why I think he will definitely play in the league. Now, if he can be available and be durable, then he'll stick around the league for 10 to 12 years. And that's really what you want when you draft a guy. Maybe not in the first, second round, but you draft a guy in the third, fourth round. Man, if you can get 8 to 10 years on a guy you draft in the third, fourth round, that's a home run. That's a home run in our league. John Harris on your radio right now. You can follow him on Twitter at jharrisfootball. You can also check out his website, footballtakeover.com. A lot of cool stuff on there each. uh, Well, it's worth checking out from time to time. John, we talk primarily about players. i got a a coaching question for you. When Matt Luke got the job at Ole Miss, first it was on an interim basis, and I don't think anybody really expected him to get the full-time head coaching job but did a, a good job. Let, let Ole Miss to that 6-6 six and six record as the interim head coach. Ends up getting the job. There were Ole Miss fans who thought that that wasn't the right hire or Ole Miss didn't do a good enough job, but he ends up with a head coaching job. They go 5-7 and seven last year. They seem to be moving in a really positive direction from a recruiting standpoint. So never mind fans for a second. I'm curious how football people look at Matt Luke at, at this point in his career going into year three. Well, I think one of the here, here's the thing when you watch when you watch Matt Luke up in front of his team and you see how positive he is about everything that's going on about what his players are doing and obviously you know we talked about Floyd Allen and I watched the the scholarship video when Floyd got a scholarship and how Matt Luke did that and I was like oh man I'd want my kid to play for that guy I, I would love that because. You know, coaches in some terms can get a bad rap. You know, some guys being negative. You know, I don't want to play for that guy. He's too negative. 
you know, I, he's always tearing guys down. It's not a positive environment. But I see Matt Luke, and I go, you know what? That's a really, that's a really positive environment. That's one I'd want my kids to be in and be around. Now, when he took over, I don't, I don't know that he really, you know, offensively, yeah, it was it was a fair shake. Defensively, it had gone and probably hit rock bottom. So, I think the challenge for him is what can you build back on the defensive side of the ball? The good, thing, the good thing for him, if he needs it, being in the state of Mississippi, he can go hit the Juco route and get guys that can come in and play immediately that have got some, you know, some college uh, skins on the wall, if you will, and he can get that thing going in the right direction. But I know the people that, that scout Ole Miss, they love going to Ole Miss. They feel like they're treated in a top-notch manner. They feel like that is represented from top on down, which starts with Matt Luke. I, but when you talk to people, they're just like, oh, you know, defensively, he's got to get it going defensively. He's got to get it going defensively. And that's, in today's game, that's not as easy as it sounds. Well, you just go get a few players and, uh, you know, just, you know, just get some NFL talent and, and go get them together and have them play great defense. It's not that easy, but I yeah. feel like Matt has to get to that level defensively where, hey, the defense can go out there and hold somebody to 20 to, you know, 17 to 20 points when the offense isn't quite clicking. And then go get a win because the defense went and did it. In the last couple of years, I don't think we were able to say that. I think it's time sure. to get back to Land Shark defense. So the biggest thing for Matt is not just on the field coaching, keeping players positive. It really is how are you going to recruit on that side of the ball? And then how do you develop players over the next three to four years once you get those players? And I think hopefully Matt has the time to be able to prove that he can do that at Ole Miss. And obviously, the, the people that are going to be able to figure that out the most, the NFL scouts that go in there year in and year out, like, hey, man, they've got this thing turned around defensively. And those are the guys I really – when I talk to them and I trust them a lot. And I think for them, they would tell you, Jerry's still out. Let's see how he turns the defensive side around, and then we'll really believe in him as a full all-around head coach. John, you're the best. I appreciate you taking some time with us on a, uh, an off week for you. Look forward to visiting with you soon. Absolutely, Richard. Thanks for having me, man. Back with you on this Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along. Really appreciate John Harris from the Houston Texans spending some time with us. Some interesting stuff in there. Um, hey, did I thought some of what he said about uh, about both Tommy Stevens and Kylan Hill kind of stood out a little bit. Two people we've talked to. I forget who the other one was. Cole Kublik talking about Tommy mm-hmm. Stevens. They don't seem convinced that Stevens is going to win this job. I am convinced Stevens is going to win the job. Yeah. Well, and frankly, you're closer to the program. And, I mean, outside looking in versus kind of around it on a daily basis. True, true. I'll I'll trust you. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Yeah. If it turns out the other way, you go, eh, I don't know, maybe too close. Those guys are sometimes. getting the big money for a reason, Richard. You know, they, they, That's why they're, yeah. they got the big microphone. But he says Kylan Hill, he thinks, is a pro, and even as he was ending that conversation, said ultimately it, you know, if he gets in and he finds a good spot, it could be a, a significant career in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree with that. Hill's very, very talented. He's, he's an explosive back. He can... He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he, he's very versatile. So, yeah, I, I could see him having a good career in the NFL. We are counting you down to the start of the college football season. To do that, we are going through 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. E A N A N A S. This day is bananas. 
100 teams in 100 days. Today, team number 57 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We go to the Big 12, the Kansas State Wildcats. Last year, Mississippi State went to Manhattan, Kansas. Brian Haydad made that trip. This year, they will make the return trip to Starkville in Week 3. A couple of tune-ups before coming to Starkville, Nichols State and Bowling Green in weeks one and two, then the road trip to Starkville. First-year head coach Chris Kleeman is in Manhattan and is replacing the legendary Bill Snyder. It's hard to follow a legend. I don't, is it more hard or less hard to follow a legend who is stepping down for the second time in his career? Does that make a difference? Maybe. I mean... You have a, a an example here in Mississippi. You know, Pat McMahon followed Ron Polk, and uh, whatever McMahon did, they always measured him up to Polk for it. It was just never good enough. I always felt when he was here. Uh, then when, but by the time John Cohen took over, everybody was ready for Polk to go. And I think you sort of had that here. I think you know people were ready for Snyder to go for for a bit there in, in Manhattan, and uh, this new guy. I mean, I, Cleman's record it sort of speaks for itself. While he was at North Dakota State, yeah, I mean, really, really good. Played at Northern Iowa, was a defensive back there, was an assistant coach at Northern Iowa, at Western Illinois. Spent a year at Kansas, spent a year at Missouri State. Um, went the junior college route before ultimately landing at North Dakota State. First as a defensive backs coach, then as the defensive coordinator, then as the head coach from 2014 to 2018. His record as a head coach in one year at Loris, wherever that is, and I feel ignorant saying wherever that is. I guess I could tell you that that is an NCAA Division three school, uh, a liberal arts college in Dubuque, Iowa. Eh, maybe I don't feel bad for not knowing where that is uh, upon further review. Yeah, it would have been a bigger issue if you did know where that was, I think. 17-13, and 13, though, as a head coach, including an 18-1 and 1 mark in the FCS playoffs. Four Division One FCS championships, won it in 2014, 2015, 2017, and 2018. I don't care what level you're coaching at. You win four national championships in five years. You're doing something right. And I think the folks at Kansas State are excited about Chris Kleeman coming in as the new head coach. I agree. And what I what I like about that that hire is that you know sometimes when you when you change coaches, as Mississippi State saw last year, you know, there's a big transition sometimes in offensive philosophies. This is definitely a transition. But Snyder was a really run heavy coach anyway. And Kleeman sort of takes that to the next level with, with what he likes to do on offense. So I don't know how difficult the transition will be for them. They, they might be able to really uh, you know, slide right in and, and be effective offensively. I don't mean to be hot take guy. You mentioned you know being the guy after the legend. Like whoever follows Nick Saban, I feel bad for. Because unless, unless it's Dabo Sweeney, uh, you, he's not going to be as good and they're going to judge him unfairly, but... Although Snyder was, I mean, he was great at Kansas State. He's a legend. No other coaches come close. They were a bad football program when he wasn't there. 
it's not like he won a bunch of titles and national titles and Big 12 titles all the time that you have to follow in those footsteps. He was the best to ever be there, but the standard wasn't all that high. Oh, yeah, but he, I mean, he built that program. I know. He, I, it, I put it, that it was, in there, but it's it's not like he has to come in and, and win the Big 12 next year to make everybody happy. That's true. It, that, the standard isn't near as high as whoever takes over for Saban, et cetera. Whenever I think about Kansas State prior to Bill Snyder, there was an article in Sports Illustrated back in the late 80s called The Worst College Football Team in America. It was about Kansas State. Mm-hmm. They, had nev- they had never been to a bowl game or just won in 80, 90 years of playing football prior to Bill Snyder. Is it crazy that when I think of Kansas State, I still think of Michael Bishop? There's nothing wrong with that. Great football player. One of the, one of the best college football players that did nothing in the pros. Loris College, the mascot? Yeah. The, the Dewhawks. The Dewhawks. Dewhawks. Pretty aggressive logo, too. They weren't very good in the uh, the year that Cleveland uh, was there. 2005, Loris went 3-7. and seven. Only 2-6 and six in their league. The but then he Iowa... Intercollegiate, uh, intercollegiate athletic conference. Then he didn't lose seven games in the next five years of being a head coach when he got the head job at North Dakota State. I mean, how about that? Sixty-nine and six took over for Craig Bowl. Nice. And thirty-six and four in conference play. Four national championships in five years. And and the one where they didn't win at all, they lost in the semifinals. Yeah. And and just looking at it, if I'm looking at this right. All four of those years, it looks like he, I don't know if he was wire to wire, but he started the season number one and he finished the season number one. So, yeah, uh, pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. I would imagine the folks that uh, are rivals of North Dakota State were more than happy to see Chris Kleeman uh, <laughs> go. So. Skyler Thompson's going to be the quarterback. He wasn't very good last year. He completed a decent percentage, 59%, but he only threw for 1,391 yards and nine touchdowns. Alex Delton played a little bit, but his numbers weren't very good either. Uh, it was just it was not a good offense last year for Kansas State. Can they be better? Can they take a step forward? Can they pose any kind of a challenge for Mississippi State in week three? Absolutely they can. Uh, you know, especially with an option offense, you know, we've talked about it before with Georgia Tech that when you don't have time to pre- prepare for that, when it's just a one off thing, it can be it can be a problem. Um, defensively last year they were okay. Um, but they struggled against Mississippi State in the running game. It's, it's, it's definitely a game. If State not out there playing its best, they'll lose the game. No question about that. But if State plays its best game, it'll be similar to what it was a season ago, I think. Kansas State has lost uh, their last six non-conference road games against Power 5 schools. All right, give me those famous alums from Kansas State. Not a great group, in my opinion. I'm going to go with these three, though. Eric Stone Street, who, uh, if you watch Modern Family, you know who that is. That's a good one. Kirstie Alley, we were just talking about her. And I'm gonna go with she Earl owns a bar Woods. in Boston. Yeah, we're gonna go with Earl Woods, number three. Famous Earl by proxy, Wood. sort of, but you know. I believe that's where he's from. He's buried in Manhattan, Kansas. Which would probably famous be alum? the only reason that Tiger's ever been to Manhattan, Kansas, right? Yep, probably that's the whole so. thing the Tiger Woods thing. They don't know if he's been back. He's buried in an unmarked grave. Really? Yeah. Because they don't want it to be like a spectacle? I've Wright Thompson went a different direction with it, but I have no idea. What was Wright's take on that? Like the final finality to it all that he didn't want to do? Because, again, people that work there say he hadn't come back since. Oh, that Tiger didn't want to... I guess. I don't know. Take hold of the reality that his father was actually gone? I think so. 
Did he go for the burial? Yeah, but he flew out like they. It, he spent a total of seventy-seven minutes in Manhattan, Kansas that day, and hadn't been back allegedly. Wow, fascinating story. That's a complicated That's story, isn't it? Very mm. much so. All right, so Kansas State, team number 57 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We have five Sports Talk Mississippis remaining before SEC Media Days. And I get that, okay, you don't get a whole lot out of it, and you know you hear the same stuff year in, year out. That's fine. You know by now that you're not going to catch me being the guy that complains about going to SEC Media Days because, doggone it, it's fun. And it really does mark the start of the new college football season. Sure, we've got work left to do. We've got time to get through before everything begins. But it is close, my friends, college football season just around the corner. That is your countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday. Glad to have you along. Weekend just around the corner. Hey, hey, Dad, since you saved up all your energy on the, on the 4th of July, you got big plans for the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the movies tomorrow, and I know that. Other than that, no. Okay, what are you going to see? Uh, Toy Story 4. You excited about that? I am, you know. I've seen the other three. Might as well, you know, finish it up. You realize that that franchise began, like, 20 years ago? My first date in Starkville, we went to see that movie. First date with your wife? No, 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 no. Just just a girl that I went out on a date with. Ah. Gotcha. But I was like, let's go to the movies. And she's like, okay, do you want to go see Toy Story? And I didn't know anything about it. And I was like, yeah, sure, we'll go. And it was great. Good date? Yeah, it's fine. I'm still friends with her. There you go. You ever been to a movie on a date, Rippy? I have. Who do you remember it? the movie? I do not remember the movie. Not a clue. I think when I was in like, uh, actually, I, 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 do you I, remember the girl? Now that I think about it, when I was in like fifth grade, I had a girlfriend in fifth grade that we went to see When a Stranger Calls. Probably not the greatest movie to see on a date. Mm. What was the hope there that like she would be scared and like jump into your arms? Oh, save me, Rippy. I don't really remember what, I, what my plan was back then, but I can assure you there was a plan. <laughs> I don't know what it was, though. Oh, always conniving. Borky movie date? It, not on like a, this is not my girlfriend, this is like a first date thing. No, because you can't, I mean, unless you're super nervous, you can't talk at the movies, you know? So it's either got to be a movie and something else, or you don't do a movie unless it's like your girlfriend, and then you're just having date night at the theater. We did go to dinner before. Yeah, see, that's fine. But if you're just going to a movie on, like, a first or second date, bad move. Well... Unless you're well, you in ninth have, grade, and then yeah, you've got nothing you better. You don't have do. a driver's license. So you really just take what you can Fifth get. grade you li- uh, has your options limited, right? Well, that was the only place you could make out without people getting mad at license. you either. So, Unless it's during Schindler's List. Good Lord. Wait, what was that now? Unless it's during Schindler's List. Can't make out during Schindler's List. What? I, I said that... <sighs> When you're that young, a movie is the only place that you can make out without getting in trouble. 
And he said, unless you're seeing that movie. No, I caught that. I just didn't. Uh, what's the reference? Does Richard get it? Because we were just talking about it. No, Richard was just staring. Right, it's it's a Seinfeld reference. Mm. There you go. I was not an every episode Seinfeld guy. I thought that was a big one, though. Where his parents find out he was making out with that girl during Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> and the general thought is that you can't do that during that movie. Well, yeah, well, they're they're Jewish too. So on top of that, I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> now we're connecting the dots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Not. Uh... <laughs> Goodness. Borky, the NBA is getting a red zone channel. Is that right? Yeah, apparently, but it's on that. I don't even know How'd how to you pronounce like that it. Transition. I know it's quality. Nice. That's what. That's why they pay you the big bucks, buddy. But um, on that, what is it called? D A Z N that the old head of ESPN now runs. It's like a, a subscription service. That... The zone? I mean, it's the zone. Yeah. Okay. But it's 20 bucks a month for Because that. John Skipper's hip and whatnot. Uh, yeah, well, sure he is. Uh, he was so hip that he almost wrecked the greatest sports media franchise ever. Um, kind of wrecked his own career, too. Yeah. But it's $20 a month for this subscription service. And if I'm already getting League Pass, even though we're in the local market, so I don't have to for New Orleans, I'm still going to get it. Why would I need the Red Zone channel if I can just flip to every game that I'm already getting anyway? And basketball is a little different than football because they're in the Red Zone every second of the game. So you're only watching the end of games, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem worth it to me, and the idea just doesn't make sense. I might try to drop that one to get dates. What's up? I got League Pass. <laughs> Except this is <laughs> like... What do you think that'll hey, work? You might this find like, the right girl, though, that will be excited about that, and then boom, there's Mrs. Rippy. You just drop down on a knee there. Right then and like, there. <laughs> League Pass Hot Zone or something. Um, the, the one thing that I see... All right, everybody's cutting the cord, right? So that we can get video on demand. And what's the other reason that everybody's cutting the cord? Cost, which is now it's too darn expensive. It's catching I, up. I'm not though. gonna, I'm not gonna pay that anymore, except for the fact that your Hulu subscription or whatever it is that you watch costs you what forty, fifty bucks a month. Is that right? Hulu, no sir. Well, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you it's use like to watch bucks. TV? What, I use View, and it, it's fifty-five a month. But okay, it's so everything it I you, need. There you go, fifty-five bucks a month. Hulu is like ten bucks. Okay, and then you pay. $10 for a Hulu subscription. You pay $12 for a Netflix subscription. And you pay $5 for ESPN Plus. And now you got 20 bucks for NBA Red Zone Zone, And whatever else pops up. And guess what? All of a sudden you're spending more money on subscriptions to TV than when you just had a cable package. Kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? Capitalism's a funny thing sometimes. It's all about just reimagining how you can get the dollars. It's not about new concepts. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Friday. And so normally I would tell you welcome to the weekend. I would say that to you as well if uh, you're working on this Friday. I know a lot of you, though, took the day off and have been able to enjoy it. Maybe you have... Uh, Closed the doors to your house and locked them and pulled the shades tight on the windows and are sitting inside like, hey, Dad, did yesterday for the 4th of July. Yeah. Doing right as an American to do. 
whatever it is that you want to do on an off day. I've had fun giving you a hard time. I actually have absolutely no problem whatsoever with you doing whatever it is that you want to do. It's just like a foreign concept to me to be able to stay inside all day. Yeah. It's nice, though. Yeah. That's your thing. Could you do that, Rippy? Just stay inside all day? No, and the thought makes me want to shoot a firecracker at Hey Dad. <laughs> Bottle rocket or... I don't know. I'll let it pick. You want a bottle rocket or a Roman candle? It's coming at you the next time we're in Jackson. I'd rather be a bottle rocket, to be totally okay. honest. So, big target. <laughs> seems like seems like it would not burn as much. I don't yeah. know. I was cleaning out my golf bag not too long ago, and I don't know what I did in college one time, but I found an extra wrap of bottle rockets in one of the pockets. There's no telling what happened there. Oh, that was a golf course prank, you think? I have no idea. I can't, for the life of me, remember. Maybe I just stuck it in there by accident, but I'm going to say that's less likely than something happened. I don't think you stick a dozen bottle rockets in your golf bag accidentally. Well, I got ammo, hey, Dad. <laughs> Bring it. So when we were at Waverly a couple of weeks ago, you had bottle rockets no, in your no, golf bag? this was before that. This was probably four or five months ago, but around December, January, just cleaning out some stuff. I think I got something golf-related for Christmas and uh, was cleaning it out. Hey, Dad, you seem super mellow today. I am mellow today for some reason. I don't know. Did you do your hot yoga? I did that this morning, yeah. Did you do hot yoga on your... It's not thing? hot yoga. The air conditioner's running in my house. What did, is hot yoga? Did you do hot yoga on the 4th of July? I did. Or did you take a day hot off yoga is it? yoga when like the heat is on. Like, you work out in, like, 90-degree temperatures. Yeah, they have really these facilities the now where you can pay, like, $400 a month to be a member yeah, of a room. Like Orange that they, Theory and stuff like that. That they turn the temperature up to, like, 117, and you do okay, your thing. hold on a second. I'd hold on a second. Get paid to do hold that. on a second. There's so much that has to be corrected in the last two things that were just said. Uh, uh, big uh, Hot Yoga guy? Uh, Orange Theory and Hot Works are not the same thing. It's two entirely different things. And hot works or hot yoga or whatever. It doesn't cost $400 a month. A yoga studio is up there. There's one near my house that's 200 and they don't have a little hot room. So I don't go to the gym very often. I should. I'll get in little spurts where I do. I'll go for two or three weeks, and then we'll just pay the membership for the next six months and then go for two or three weeks. It's not a terribly efficient way to spend money. Um but no, it's not that expensive. And yeah, it's what it's it's the the hot works place. It's where you like ride a bike in a hundred and twenty five degree sauna, or row in a hundred and twenty five degree sauna. That, that's on one side of the place, and then on the other side of the place, they've got yoga and Pilates and all the different like core workouts. My wife primarily does those. She loves them. I like it too when I go. I just don't make myself go very often. You've done some yoga. Uh, I have not. I used to do the stretching deal. They got rid of it, though. It was like the most low-impact thing. How'd that go for you? It was good. You were good at it? Stretching? Yeah. Yeah, and the neat thing about it is it doesn't really take long to improve if you do it, like, every day. I mean, I can still bend over and touch my toes if that's what you're asking. Congrats. Thanks. Look at that. And you? I don't it's know. not very far. Oh, Ooh. oh that was nice. a good one. I was actually thinking about whether I could. I'm going to give a hesitant no. You don't think you could stand up and bend over and touch your toes right now? Like without cheating and bending? Like the straight legs? Yes, you can't stand. Oh, try it. We're, we're not going to miss you for it. Okay. Hey, well, hold on. Get out. Get out where you can like not cheat. We're concerned about whether or not Rippy can 
touch it. He can't get all there. He got there. <laughs> Porky, I think he just pulled a muscle. <laughs> he just grabbed his calf right after he did that. Hey, Dad. Oh, my gosh. Come on, Rippy. Did, did that hurt? That did hurt. I need to stretch more often. That really hurt. Oh, well. I can't believe it just happened. You just pulled a muscle bending over to stretch and touch your toes. I don't know if it's pulled, but that hurt. You're like 5'4". I haven't stretched in a while. You don't have far to go. But still, like, it's still like, you got to go down there. Like, you got (laughs) to... I'm not trying it again. Okay. Um, Anyway. I'm trying to find a price for hot yoga here. There's a studio in Columbus. I'm not going to go do it because it's 85-degree yoga. That doesn't sound fun at all. You got to try it in 125. No, I'm not going to do that either. I'm going to do it it's in good. the Sweating crisp is good for you, 68 degrees I keep my uh, my living room at. Um, uh-oh, we just got a text that said on-the-job injury. <laughs> That's a good point. Where What's the workers' comp set up around here? Lawyer up. You know what? I bet they, I I bet they never thought the day would come at Super Talk where we might have a workman's comp issue because of somebody touching their toes. Uh, my hot yoga is weed eating and cutting an acre of grass in South Mississippi heat, followed by cooling with a deuce brewski. It's That's important from, to cool down after you work out. That's in uh, David uh, from David and Socher. Uh, somebody suggests squat. Oh, that's you. They're talking about you. Squat. <laughs> what are you doing? Maybe they're saying I should squat. Maybe they are saying that. Can you get all the way down on a squat with no weight? Yeah. Okay, that's good. You get to parallel. Yeah, but I was the dude that would get the largest plate with the smallest amount of weight to give the illusion that it was big boy stuff. Well, I'm not talking about doing a squat like that. I'm talking about, can you just squat all the way down? Oh, uh, yeah, I can squat. Like okay. a hind catcher? Yeah. That's a yoga move, man, getting all the way down as far as you I can. didn't know that counted. Maybe Is I'm it really good at this. Yeah. There you go. Robert in Oak Grove says his judo dojo at 90 degrees is his hot yoga. Yeah, I'd say that counts. Anyway, just cleaning up the mess that you guys made, the Orange Theory is more like a competition-based workout setup. I don't want that either. Yeah, whatever. You don't like the idea of competing against somebody else? No, I'm not in there to compete. I'm in there to try to get healthy and lose weight. Yeah, we play real sports. We're not trying to be the best at exercising. It's like if I want to play, if I want to compete with somebody, we'll go play some basketball or something. If I'm in there trying to lose weight, I'm not worried about other people. Mm, I got gotcha. you. Um finishing that I, I think it's like 60 bucks a month and then if your spouse joins it's an additional 20 so we're not talking mine's about nine a year nine dollars a month is that like for the app that you get for the app and yeah the website running shoes are about 50 bucks a year by the way yeah it's a lot of stress on the back yeah I, i'm not a runner 50 bucks a year you don't run very often do you no, I just I wear them to the end, and and I rotate through a couple of pairs. Never mind that fifty bucks. Where are you buying these shoes? Amazon, buddy. Okay. He was telling us about his Amazon golf shoes that he ordered that uh, he didn't get what he intended to. <laughs> got See? the wrong kind. I got That's the spikeless why. shoes, and they're okay. But call not, me crazy, not the same man. Thing. I'm going. I go to Academy or to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy my shoes, and so I can see them and try them on and everything. You walk there, uphill both ways. <laughs> While yelling at a cloud. I had a buddy in college that ordered the, the literally... cloud shoes are great, by the way. <laughs> they're, they're called On. Uh-huh. They're fantastic. 
Those those shoes that you have, those those powder blue shoes? Yeah. Okay. And some different colors in them also. I told you I, I like those shoes. I didn't really like the color, but, you know. You can sure get some in maroon if you look hard enough. I might do that. Hey, uh, we, we've kind of taken this farther than we should have, so I want to press hold on this for a second. But I want to tell you, there, there for the college football fix today, is this revisionist history? Phil Longo, there was a long story on the uh, North Carolina 24-7 sports website. It was kind of a long-form article about the air raid offense and what Phil Longo is bringing to North Carolina. And there is a part of the article where it says a legitimate criticism that followed Longo on his exit from Ole Miss was his offensive lackluster performance in the red zone. Talks about where they ranked nationally in red zone scoring, but then dug a little bit deeper and looked at touchdowns in the red zone that had Ole Miss 93rd in the country in 2017 and 122nd out of 130 programs last year in red zone touchdown percentage. 50% was the touchdown percentage. But Longo has dismissed the skepticism. We'll tell you why he has dismissed the skepticism when we come back, and I will ask you the question, is this revisionist history just a few months in the making? That's your college football fix when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along on this Friday. All right, so the story came from 24-7 Sports Inside Carolina. That's the North Carolina, University of North Carolina website on the 24-7 Sports Network. It was written by Greg Barnes. Long-form story about uh, University of North Carolina football, Phil Longo coming in, some of the background with Hal Mummy and Mike Leach and Cliff Kingsbury and others. But there was a particular quote in there, Borky, that that really jumped out. And it was this from Phil Longo. One of the things that's really exciting for me here is Mac Brown has said, run it, go do it. And our stuff that we did for the last 20 years, the full playlist, 100% of the offense is at our disposal here. That's what we taught during the spring. That's what we installed. I don't think there are any restrictions here. So we're able to attack it with the entire system And we taught it to all the guys. I don't foresee having red zone, goal line, and third down problems this season. He said in an interview back in the spring that he was only able to run about 60 to 65% of his offense in Oxford. So, 17. What do you make of this? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Borky. Uh, So, 17 of the 28 plays. Um, I do. I do find that that funny. And football coaches are dishonest or spin things, whatever, all the time. It's what they do. You've got to sell tickets. You've got to sell yourself. I get it. But it, juxtapose that with the amount of times that in press conferences or other places uh, you took pride in the fact that you don't make in-game adjustments, that your offense was incredibly simple. You taught it to your team in a week during spring practice. Those kind of things were said over and over and over and over again. And now when you're in North Carolina, oh, I was hamstrung, I was limited. But you told us for two years that you were limited, you didn't make adjustments, your your playbook was simple. A.J. Brown told us you had a play literally called get open, and that's all it was. So how how can both things be true? And it's because they're not, but still, I, I just... It's like all of those videos and, and articles that were written over the last two years still exist, and now this does too. 
th- this will sound like defending Phil Longo, and I'm not. The idea that there were 28 plays is a little bit of a fallacy. But you can't preach simple. Uh, Borky echoed my thoughts exactly, and I don't have this source, but I feel decent saying it. I'm going to bet no one was going to take him out in handcuffs if he ran a crossing route or a bubble screen in the red zone. Going to bet that that was not not. He was told not to. Like I don't think he was told not to do that. Like. This seems just preposterous to me. I, I, I don't know the entire inner dynamics of how that worked, admittedly. And he, there, I guess there could be a sliver of truth that he got critiqued. or. Well, let, 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 let's take this in a couple of bites. I mean, f- finishing the thought, the idea that there were 28 plays is just not true. There were 28 kind of base concepts, and then they did a bunch of different things from a formation standpoint that made it made it look different. Although there are people that have looked at it and goes, they really didn't do much different stuff. Kind of everything they ran was the same. That That's true, and you've heard that from multiple people that um, that cover college football at a high level. Cole Kubelik has been kind, but at the same time um, direct in kind of tearing apart what they did offensively. Yeah, we've made jokes about it before, including stuff that Rippey said where, you know, differences in the offense that you're going to see this year under Rich Rodriguez in comparison to what you saw last year under Phil Longo, they're actually going to run routes. Here's the problem. Well, two things. Back up one more time. There was a concerted effort in the second half of the season in 2017 to be more effective running the football. And when they went to that, they were more effective as an offense. And if that was a directive from Matt Loop, so be it. But they said, we're going to run the football and we're going to be a more physical team. And they did that and they had some success with it. The I lost my train of thought. This overall idea, though, that we're going to be different because we didn't score. Oh, I know where I was going with that. Phil Longo talked to us on this show about, you know, conceptually the offense was based on finding space from the defense and taking advantage of what the defense gives you. Well, coaches all over the place tell you we're going to take advantage of what the defense gives us. The problem with what they ran, whether it was a lack of bubble bubble screens or crossing routes or the running game in particular, whatever it was in the red zone, when the concept behind the office, uh, the off, I can't talk. What are we doing here? When the concept behind the offense is chasing space and getting to the open spots, and you don't have as much space to work with, it makes it harder to succeed. And then when you couple that with you're facing the best defenses in the country Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State. Texas A&M, whomever else, really, really athletic defenses, and you don't have something that you're absolutely 100% committed to in the red zone, those athletic good defenses are going to take away ad-lib football. And he probably would not describe it as ad-lib football, but in a lot of ways that's what it was. You got options. Go get open. Well, I, I can't beat this DB. Well, then you can't get open. I think the semantics of the plays and all that is, you know, be that as it may, I just think it's, you You can't preach simplicity as your brand and then be like, oh, actually, my hands were tied. That's not really how it works. 
Like, you can't. Your brand can't be. Yeah, we have you know this amount of plays and all these options, and then at the end of it, when you were atrocious in the red zone, Vic, actually I wasn't allowed to run all the plays. Well, what are you talking about, man? I think it's as simple as if you had a bad defensive football team, you were probably scared to face the Ole Miss offense because in one-on-one matchups, they were more talented than you. If you were a good, disciplined, athletic defense, you weren't scared at all of the Ole Miss offense because... You didn't see discipline on the opposite side of the ball. You felt like you could take away, and you felt like you could win one-on-one matchups. The bottom line is this, and you guys know you've heard me say it. I like Phil Longo a lot, and there's some of what he did offensively that I liked. I like the shots down the field. I think that's the hallmark of a good offense, but there's got to be a whole lot more to it than just that. To score touchdowns, inside the 20-yard line on only 50% of your offensive possessions when you have two elite wide receivers and an elite tight end and a nearly 1,000-yard running back is, well, frankly, it's a fireable offense. Period. you got to be better. When you've got Scotty Phillips in the backfield and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, and Dawson Knox at your disposal, and that doesn't even take into account some of the other wide receivers that were good players, and you only score a touchdown one out of the two times you get in the 20 for the entirety of the season, or 50 out of 100, or 40 out of 80, or whatever the number is, you, that, that doesn't fly. It doesn't work. And you can't continue. Yeah, and you said fireable offense. That That is effectively what happened anyway. He was not going to be the offensive coordinator this fall if North Carolina fire, or hired him away or not. Well, wasn't going to happen. I think the epitome of it was probably the Vanderbilt game where I'm making sure I have this correctly. They had 578 yards of offense and two touchdowns. They outgained Vanderbilt by 200 yards and lost the game because they had two touchdowns. And they didn't and lose the because, game because of the overturned call on A.J. Brown. No. But you know. it didn't help. But like, I don't understand. Like, in you're 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 being limited in red zone play calling, or you're limited in the amount of offense you can install. Was the reason you scored two touchdowns against Vanderbilt and put up 578 hollow yards? None of this adds up. It is complete nonsense. Yeah. But. It's something that North Carolina fans will read and get excited about and say, oh, Mac won't do that to him. You know, the inexperienced Matt Luke did it, but Mac Brown won't, and we'll open it up, and it'll be great, and they'll buy tickets, and they'll go see a team that can't score in the red zone again, and this will all be for naught. Hey, Dad, you got any thoughts on this? Just for me, you know, this is, this is a subject you can revisit uh, – in November, because if Ole Miss is still poor in the red zone and North Carolina isn't, then maybe Longo was telling the truth. I've I learned, you know, watching Jackie Sherrill go go through about eight different offensive coordinators, with the offense always looking the same, to never put too much blame or give too much credit, really, to offensive coordinators. Not a hundred percent discounting that at all, but I think there is multiple ways where they could still struggle in the red zone this year, and that doesn't vindicate what Longo well, did I mean, at all. From a play-calling standpoint, if they're just flat down there, it's one thing if you just get stopped. But if, if you're just watching, wow, they're not they're well, running bad plays. I don't plays. think hiring – I don't think 
not disagreeing, hey, that just make putting it out there. I don't think hiring guys like Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez screams, I'm going to like reel you in and True. True. Know, limit you. No, that's reasonable. I, I would say less the results and more what it looks like this year at North Carolina might tell the true story. If the offense looks the same... Maybe the caliber of opponent is a little bit different. If they actually go with some different concepts and some different routes and some different plays in the red zone, then either he learned a lesson or maybe there's some truth to what he's saying. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.